Hear the word of the Lord from Romans 7. I don't understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now if I do what I want, I agree that the law is good. But in fact, it's no longer I that do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells within me, that is, in my flesh. I can will what's right, but I can't do it. For I don't do the good I want, but the evil I don't want is what I do. Now if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I that do it, but sin that dwells within me. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do what is good, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inmost self, but I see in my members another law at war with the law of my mind making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Oh, wretched man that I am, who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. It is July 4th, 11.22 p.m., I am riding through a war zone on a light blue three-speed divvy bike. I undock my bike on the south side of the corner of Halstead and 18th and fasten my white shell helmet. There is glass on the street and a group standing around outside. Forties are scattered across the street and the group looks at one another confused. I think there may have been a fight. I put my bike in second gear so I can accelerate quickly and speed down Halstead. Flashes of light bounce off of the haze that is covering Chicago tonight. Fireworks explode like grenades behind me. I pretend I am in a battle and shift into first. Young men, Hispanic maybe, are on the street to the left. They are shooting off fireworks and drinking. I pray for the emergency room workers, sipping their Red Bulls, guzzling their coffee late into the night. I slow down for a light and then fly through it when I see no traffic. An enormous clap startles me. I hear the sounds, but I can't see the fireworks. There's a young man on a bike in the bike lane ahead of me. I'm coming up on him quick. He is in no hurry. He looks like he has nowhere to be at 11.30 on a Tuesday night, and nowhere is the last place you want to be going at 11.30 on a Tuesday night. A woman in an American flag tank top and blue jeans looks down at her phone and then down the road, she shrugs to a man and rolls her eyes. It's that eye roll you make when your Uber has just turned down the wrong road, when it's supposed to follow the gray line right to you. The man lifts his arms and leans back against the wall the same way I do when that happens to me. A green Nissan Leaf turns right onto Jackson and I follow it. I try to keep up with it but it whirs ahead. Chicago keeps its homeless on Jackson. They are mainly elderly black men, some young, some white. I catch a few greens and then hit a red and stop. Some of the people who live on Jackson tonight are already asleep. Some are still sorting out how they're going to get through the night. A few are clearly mentally unstable. It's July 4th, and we are all celebrating our independence. But on this bike ride through the south side, what is so clear is dependence. 
me upon the sobriety of the drivers, the lady upon her Uber finally making it to her, the Jackson Street sleepers upon their bodies making it through the night, upon a society that has let them down or has refused to give them a second chance. Independence is a funny thing, isn't it? The older I get, the less of it I think we really have. Of course, in a national sense, we are politically independent, but I mean on a day-to-day level, we prize our independence. It's the first thing we want as kids, to do things on our own. And it's the last thing we want to give up. The other day, my grandma said to me, when the eye doctor told me I couldn't drive anymore, I really lost my independence. I was no one. Our independence, our ability to freely make decisions, to do the right thing, or at least the freedom to be ourselves come what may, our freedom is everything, right? Our dependence I think is more or less what Paul is talking about. I want to do something, but I find I do the opposite. I I, I don't do the good I want to do, but the evil I don't want to do, I find myself doing. Even when I do what I want, I look back and see that maybe it was sin that caused me to do it. Even when I do good, evil seems to be close at hand. Who will rescue me from this body of death? On my own, I am stuck in a soul-sucking cycle of self-serving death, or if that is too dramatic for you. There is at least a tension in our minds and in the world between independence and dependence. There is a war raging in this world, Paul says, and it isn't a war between Jews and Gentiles. It isn't us against them. It's a war between law and grace. Between, I can get there on my own and come to me, all you who are weary. Between, you get what you deserve and you've been given far more than you ever deserve. Between sin dragging people down until they are treated subhuman and glory, lifting people up so, they, that, so that they are the most human, beautiful Christs to the world. Law and grace, sin and glory. And at the outset of the war, Paul is fighting for the law. We are introduced to him first as a Jewish Pharisee who oversees the stoning of a Christian man named Stephen. Paul nods approvingly as Stephen pays the penalty of the law for blasphemy. Death by stoning. It's what the law requires. And Stephen stands on the side of grace and he prays, for the forgiveness of his enemies, even as his, as his eyes begin to close. Before Paul will talk anything about freedom from the law, Paul spends his time going from town to town, chasing down Christians who are convincing Jews to give up on following the law in exchange for a freedom that comes through Jesus of Nazareth. And then one midday, God hits Paul with a blazing light that sends him to the ground defenseless. And Frederick Buechner writes, Paul waited for the axe to drop. Only it wasn't an axe that dropped. Those boys in Damascus, Jesus said to him, don't fight them, join them. I want you on my side, end quote. And Paul was converted by grace 
to grace, through grace, and all of life became grace after he met Jesus. The passage that we read is a tongue twister, partly because it uses the verb do 21 different times. A little excessive. But if you don't overthink it, I'm guessing you can relate to what Paul is saying. He's describing what it's like to fight on the side of law. To live as if your life depended upon you getting everything right. Upon you having the willpower to walk through walls. To live independent, on your own, without Christ. The irony is that that life of independence and freedom and call your own shots kind of life, that's supposed to be the life. And if calling all your own shots still finds you restless, well, maybe, maybe you're really in trouble. It seems a little dramatic to call, live, to call that life living in a body of death, but Paul is making a point about living under capital S sin. Bob talked about capital S sin last week. Bob said, at the heart of sin with a capital S is the desire to live one's life on one's own without pro proper regard for God, under one's own power and reason, to not trust God's provision and to refuse to acknowledge God's authority or give him his due, not trusting that God has our good in mind. This is the sense of brokenness at work in Paul's letter to the Romans. And the more I learn about myself, the more self-aware I become, the more I realize how dependent I am upon Christ to free me from the living death that is living on my own, under the law. But the law is the water that we swim in. Law holds the carrot in front of us and beats us with a stick from behind. Law wakes us up early and keeps us up late only to be told that we haven't put in enough time. Law is paranoia. Early Christians were addicted to the law where they were worried about whether they had sacrificed enough, whether they had washed enough times, whether we've responded to the altar call with enough sincerity, or are we still damned? Law is the gasoline that the world's engine runs on, achieving and earning and qualifying, getting to the top and getting there by ourselves. This is the path of the law, and Paul is right to call it a body of death, a set of contradictions. I work hard enough to please the law only to be told that I haven't done enough, climbed high enough, or worked hard enough. And grace is the invitation to leave the engine of the world, to put it in park and let it idle, and to get out of the car and onto a divvy bike, and to ride through the streets of law and grace, of sin and glory. It is sin and glory that I am riding through on July 4th. It is sin that leaves the man with white hair on the street tonight. And it is glory that in the morning, he will ask for change with a smile on his face. And the people who slept in warm, soft beds will pass him with stern, cold eyes. It is sin that brings the woman hit by a drunk driver into the emergency room early on the morning of July 5th and it is glory that the nurse running on the fumes of a Red Bull has enough kindness to sit patiently with her, to hold her hand. It is sin that lashes open the skin of Christ and sin that he carries with him up 
the hill to the cross, but it is glory that he comforts those mourning and forgives those who hate. It is sin that nails him to the cross, but glory that he harbors no hatred. Sin takes away his life, but glory startles him awake on the third day. And it is sin and glory that I am riding through on the dark streets of July 4th. And on this night, sin will claim 15 lives and it will shoot 100. And what glory is there, I cannot say. It is sin and glory, law and grace that all of us are riding through. And what Christ offers us and why Paul ends this section in Romans by saying, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord is the possibility of living according to the law of Christ, the yoke that is easy and the burden that is light, where our souls can find true rest. Christ offers us the one dependency that truly sets us free. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. And if we can trust him more than we trust ourselves, then we too can be transformed into the glorious cruciform shape of Christ. I want to will good and to be able to do it. I want to be free. I want to ride through the night on my divvy like Paul Revere shouting into the darkness, who can deliver us from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. And this too is the church's call. The world doesn't need another institution of law peddling self-help products or convincing people that they must become better before they can belong. The world needs the church to be a place and a people that points away from law and towards Christ, away from despair and pessimism and towards hope in Jesus, away from the empty calories of carrot and stick and to the only meal that truly satisfies. The church is a people who ride through the streets of Chicago, seeing both sin and glory, working to extinguish the one and draw forth the other. If there is wretchedness in this world, and there is, there is also hope and the possibility of living with a true freedom that comes from a dependence upon Christ. And if you find yourself in what Paul describes, a body of death, then come here. Come, all who are weary and heavy laden, and you will find rest for your souls. Let's pray. O oh God, open our hearts so that we might come and experience the rest that you offer, that we might hear your invitation anew to rest in your grace. I pray that we would go from this place as a people who live in a world of law but walk in grace. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.